Parshas Bamidbar, Bamidbar is all about a major census of the Jewish people. The beginning of the parsha gives the basic description of how the census was to be conducted and briefly describes how they conducted it. And then the rest of the parsha goes through numbers and organization, tribes and arrangements, and it discusses the second counting of the Levium. So toward the beginning of the parsha, the Torah describes the process. It says, He took the, those men who were enumerated by their names, listed by their names, the heads of the tribes, and they gathered the entire people, the entire Klai Yisrael, the first of the second month, the Rosh difficult word to translate, from the Shorish Leda, obviously, but something to do with their births, al mishpachosam, according to their families, leves avosam, to the houses of their fathers, but mispar shemos, the number, according to the number of their names, from 20 years and above, according to their heads, kasher tiva, Hashem es Moshe, v'fkidem midbar Sinai, as Hashem had commanded Moshe, so he counted them in midbar Sinai. What does this expression mean, vayis yaldu al mishpachosam? Rashi says, what is Vayisyaldu Mishpachosam? Art scroll translates, art scroll translates, uh, I don't have the Chumash in front of me, but, but um, art, art, art scroll translates that they, that, that Rashi explains at least, we'll, we'll see, we'll see art scroll in a moment. Rashi says, Heviu Sifrei they brought documentation, they brought books of their Yichus, of their uh, genealogy. And witnesses to the presumptions of their births. This is Perak Aleph Pasuk Yudches or so. So they brought Edim and Sifra Yuchsim and Edim. Each one had to bring Edim to establish his genealogy. Right, establish their genealogy. Okay. So, so Artgirl says that Vayisyaldu means they establish their genealogy. The King James Version has and they declared their pedigrees, that they declared it. This is actually a machlokis between Rashi and the Ramban. Uh, the article is following Rashi, and the King James is following the Ramban. The Rashi is really bringing a midrash, but Rashi says they brought Sifra Yichusayim. The midrash in Yalkut Shemoni, it says, when the Jews accepted the Torah, the nations of the world were jealous of the Jews. Ma'ro l'skarev umos. How come they get to be closer to Hashem than all other nations? So, you know, one Midrash says that Hashem asked all the other nations, uh, do you want the Torah? They said, what does it say? And, they, and they, Hashem said, this is what it says. Don't kill, don't steal, don't, 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 uh, don't fornicate. And they said, we can't accept that. We, 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 we're not doing that. The Kali Yisrael said, Nasev and Nishma. The, okay, but this Midrash says that the, that the nations had a complaint. They said, some people ask that, 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 that Hashem gave them the, mentioned the, the mitzvah that was hardest for them. He, he mentioned each nation. He, gave, he, he told them about a mitzvah that would be difficult for them to keep. I mean, okay, but that's part of the deal. Klai Yisrael didn't even ask. Maybe had they asked, Hashem would have given them a mitzvah that's hard for them. Either way, the Midrash says that the nations of the world had a complaint. Why do the Jews merit Kabbalah Satara being close to Hashem? Sosam piyam HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch Hu sealed up their mouths. He conclusively rebutted their, 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 uh, their challenge. Bring me your, your records of your genealogy. Let's see if you're as, 
if you're as, your lineage is as clean and as pure as Kalah Yisrael. Bring me Sefer Yuchasen. Bring me books of your genealogy. Just like my sons bring Sefer Yuchasen. So the Yalkut Shemoni says, the Midrash says, when it says, it means they actually brought documentation corroborating their claims of who they were. The corroborating their yichus, they brought Sefer Yuchsin. And that was a, a tremendous mila the Kla Yisrael had. The non-Jews couldn't match that, and that's why we were Zelka to have the Torah. That, that's why the, the Midrash goes on. That's why Hashem counted them in the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, Achar HaMitzvahs, after they discuss, after the Torah discusses all the mitzvahs, Parshas Bahar, Chumash Vayikra. Parshas Bahar, Sefer Vayikra ends with these are all the mitzvahs, and immediately after that, the very last pasuk, I believe, in Parshas Bahar is this pasuk the midrash brings. These are all the mitzvahs, and then the sefer b'midbar opens with the second pasuk. Count the people. What's the connection between the mitzvahs and between counting the Jewish people? So. You might think that it's, uh, the order is the other way because we, we're, we're Jews, we have all the mitzvahs, we're precious to Hashem, so he wants us to be counted. As Rashi says, Rashi says, the first Rashi in Vamidbar, because Hashem loves us so much, he counts us, he counts us all the time, we're the left Egypt, counts us again. So one might think the connection is because we have mitzvahs, because we have the Torah, Hashem counts us a lot. According to the Yalkut, the connection is the other way around. Why do we deserve to get the Torah mitzvahs? It's a privilege to have Torah mitzvahs. Why do we deserve to have Torah mitzvahs? Because we had pure genealogy, because we had records, we had Sefer Yuchasin. Yisrael only merited to receive the Torah because of the, the clarity, the purity of their Yuchas. So that's Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi's following the Midrash, that it means, Vayisyaldu means they established their, their family connection. They, they established it with Sifri Yichusem, with written documentation of their, of their Yichus, and Edim, the Ede Cheskes Leidasam, Edim who would, who would support their claims, uh, their presumptions of Leida. Ramban disagrees. Ramban writes, he brings Rashi, and Ramban says, Ve'inenu niresh yutrichin lahavi yishtar ve'edim al-yichusem l'shiptem, it does not appear to me, the Ramban says, that they had to actually bring proof, that they had to bring shtar and adim, documents and witnesses. Vayisyaldu means something else, he says, and he goes on, and he says, how did the process work? What does Vayisyaldu mean? It just means that they counted them according to their families, that, that the counting, the, the subtotals, and the organization was based on families. And when he gets to the, how did the counting actually work? The Ramban says, shiklo. Every Jewish person brought his shekel, his, the, the shekel that he, that he gave as a form of counting, that would be used for the counting. And they attested, they, 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 they made a statement to Moshe and the leaders of the tribes, I am so-and-so, I was born to so-and-so, my father, of the family so-and-so, and he's from Shevet Ruvain, or another Shevet. And then uh, Moshe took the, the shkalim of each shevet, kol shevet, shevet, makam plum, yuchad. He kept the shkalim in separate batches. That's how he knew the, the subtotals. So, according to Rashi, following Midrash, they had, the Vayisyaldu means they had, to, they had to bring proof, they had to bring documentation and witnesses, they had to establish, as Article says, that they had to establish their genealogy, they had to prove it. 
according to the Ramban and the King James, it just means that they declared it. They simply declared, they attested to it, I am so-and-so, they did not have to prove it, no proof was required. The Lavush, in his super commentary to Rashi, in the Lavush Ha'ora, he brings Rashi, he doesn't bring the Ramban, but he brings Rashi, and he says, he's a, he's a super commentary on Rashi, and he explains Rashi, he says, they didn't just rely on everyone's unsupported assertion of, who sh- of, of, of whose family he was from. And that's not how they did it. A person can't just say, which is what the Ramban says is exactly what they did, but the Lavush says, that's not what happened. That doesn't make sense, he says. Certainly, people had no credibility to just make such unsupported claims. Ain't as far, it's just not plausible, he says. You deal with bureaucracy. Can you walk into the, can you get a driver's license? Can you just walk in and say, this is who I am, this is where I live, this is how at my age? No, you have to prove everything. You have to bring paperwork. Whoever heard of uh, a governmental function without paperwork? Ain't as far, there's no svara to say that they could just uh, self-declare their yichus and their shevet. That's why Rashi says they have to add sefer yuchsin, they have to have documentation. Ve'edus, they have to have testimony. So Raman disagrees, but Rashi and the Lavush say, based on the Midrash, that they, that they, ha- that, that, that they had to prove, they had to establish their genealogy. Abarbanel follows Rashi and the Lavush, Rashi as well. Abarbanel was before the Lavush, Abarbanel follows Rashi as well. He says, Everyone had to declare their genealogy, but not just declare. In Bechzav, either with documentation, obeidim, or with testimony, or uh, or you have to bring proofs. Rabbi Nel focuses on the proof was his age, but uh, proof of age, like when you go into a bar or you want to do anything, you have to prove how old you are. But the, okay, so Rabbi Nel says it was proofs involved. The, the Levush and Rashi say they had to bring, they, they couldn't just declare their families, they had to bring Shtar and Edim. Rabban says no, they would simply declare who they were, and that was sufficient. This concept of a Sefer Yuchasin, of a, a written document that would serve as formal proof of their genealogy, this concept appears in the beginning of Sefer Ezra. Sefer Ezra describes the return of the Jewish people from Golis Bavel to Eretz Yisrael to Yerushalayim after the 70 years of Golis Bavel and the rebuilding of the Besamekdash. So at the beginning of the Sefer, it, uh, it lists all kinds of people who came back. It lists the, the totals, the numbers, the families, the names of people who returned from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael. Among these people who were Kohanim, it says, There were certain families of Kohanim. Ela, these people, it says, these Kohanim, some of these Kohanim, these Kohanim, they sought, they tried to produce their, their, their documentation of their yichus. They could not find them, they could not produce them. And therefore, they were polluted, they were rejected from Kahuna. Because they, because, they could not produce, because they could not produce the appropriate documentation certifying their, certifying their Kahuna, they were rejected from Kahuna. And the Pasuk goes on, it says, Pasuk says, Vayomer told them, Hatrashas is identified by Chazal as Nehemiah. Not sure what the Christians think Hatir Shasa is. The King James translates it as and the Tirshatha. It's a title, I guess, the Tirshatha, the king, the officer, somebody. So Vayomer Hatir Shasa, and Nehemiah said to them, according to Chazal, one of the leaders of the Jewish people, Asher Loyokumi Kodesh Akadashim, what does it mean it was burned from Kahuna? They could not eat Kodesh Akadashim. 
Adamot Kain Urmbatumim until a Kohen with Urmbatumim would arise to clarify their Yichus in the absence of the Ksavim Hamasyachsim, in the absence of genealogical documentation. They were barred, they were disqualified from eating certain types of Kachim. The Gemara in Ksuvas has a whole discussion of what they could eat, what they couldn't eat, what they were barred from eating. There's a Bryce, Rabbi Yossi says, Kidola Chazaka, we rely on Chazaka, Chazaka is very powerful. So, what did he mean when he said, He told them, told them, You remain in the status quo, you remain with the same privileges, the same things that you did when you were in Golis. You weren't eating kachim. There were no kachim in, in, in Bavel. You were eating truma. Your chazaka, the status quo, the presumption you had until now that you could eat truma continues. You can continue eating truma. You cannot eat kachim. Kachim is bad. Kachim, kachim mikdash. Because you don't have your ksavim hamasyachasim. Even though logically the, the distinction doesn't make sense because if they are Kohanim, they can eat both. If they're not Kohanim, they can't eat either. Make up your mind. If you call them Kohanim, they can eat everything. If they're not Kohanim, they shouldn't eat anything. Gidola Chazaka. Chazaka means whatever you have a Chazaka of doing, you continue doing the status quo. Whatever you don't have a Chazaka of doing, even if it's just because you were in Gullus, you can't do. That, that's what Nehemiah told them, and that is Gidola Chazaka. This concept of, of Ksavim Hamasyachasim and proof to someone's genealogy. This, this has been the subject of a major discussion and considerable debate over the last five centuries or more about the status of Kohanim Bismanazia, uh, as, 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 as per Ezra. We don't, really, we don't really have much genealogical significance anymore about what shaver the person belongs to in terms of Ruvain, Shimon, Yehuda, Yisachar. We don't, we don't have the land in Eretz Yisrael. We don't have most of the tribal life that they had in Eretz Yisrael. The primary significance is Manazeh of genealogy is Kohanim. Kohanim have a number of halachas, privileges and obligations, many of which still apply Bismanazeh. Kohanim can't marry certain women. Kohanim are still entitled to certain things, even Bismanazeh. So for 500 years or more, there has been a major debate among the post a major discussion as to what is the status of our Kohanim. They don't have Ksavim They can't produce... Some people have different types of family trees and documentation of who they are. Postcom in general say that these are not really that reliable. These are not the same as the Ksavim in, in the time of Ezra. These are traditions of some sort, but they, they don't have the same status as authoritative Ksavim So in general, Kohanim today are based on Chazaka, based on traditions, based on presumptions, but they don't have the... These are like the Kohanim in the time of Ezra, it would seem. So what is the halacha of such kohanim? Are, are there any ramifications to the fact that we're not absolutely sure they're kohanim? This has been the subject of considerable debate for the last four or five hundred years. The discussion actually begins before that. It begins in a tshuva of the Rivash. Curious tshuva of the Rivash. The Rivash says, a Yehudi, a Jew, kilel kohen echad vavosav, he cursed, he excoriated a, uh, a certain kohen and his ancestors, klolos mimratzos, vile curses, ha'am. And there was, uh, there, was a, there was a movement to punish him. Punish him even more so than we would punish a normal person who insulted somebody else because the victim was a Kohen. And in Halacha, we don't really find a clear basis for that, that the, that the punishment for insulting or calling somebody names is more serious for a Kohen. But he says the basis seems to have been, the thought process was that in this land, the land where the Sheila came from, the, they conduct themselves, the Jews conduct themselves in most of their affairs as per Islamic custom. And there's an Islamic rule that if someone insults Karav Nabiim, someone related to the Prophet, then he's punished very, very severely. 
And the Jews say we should apply that to, in our religion, mutated mutandis, to somebody who insults a Kohen, Mikhail a Kohen, who's Mizera Aaron. Aaron was a very distinguished person. So just as the Muslims punish those who insult people from the family of the Prophet, particularly severely, we should punish people who insult Kohanim, who are from the family of Aaron a Kohen, uh, severely. Yes, so the question is, what about Bukhuk Samuel Telechu? You're not supposed to follow the ways of the Goyim. So what, one, of the most, one of the famous tshuvas on the topic of Chukas HaGayim is actually another tshuva, the Rivash, where he was asked about a custom to visit the cemetery during the Shiva, which was not a Jewish custom, but he says that was an Islamic custom. And the Rivash actually says that it's okay. He says that this is the tshuva we mentioned, we alluded to a few weeks ago, that in Chukas HaGayim, the Rivash is one of the major Rishonim who said that Chukas HaGayim only prohibits chukim that are superstitious or illogical or pagan, but a chok, a non-Jewish custom that makes sense, that's rational, is not prohibited, then the Rivash may have held the same thing over here. He, bring, he brings sources from, the, the whole point of his tshuva is he brings, he brings sources from Amrasar as well that it's important to show respect to Kohanim. And he said, since it's a mitzvah in a Torah to honor Kohanim and to show him respect more than ordinary people, then obviously the converse is true as well, that if someone insults a Kohen, in the Jewish Messiah as well. It makes sense that he should be punished more severely than someone who insults an ordinary person. Even though we pass in the Vayish Bidvarim is Potter, normally if you insult an ordinary person, it's a terrible Avera, but there's no, there's no civil or criminal liability. But but the Vayish Kohen, we should, uh, we, we should come down harder on him, we should maybe not actually find him, but we should apply heavy pressure on him to apologize and settle with him, to, 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 make, to, to, make, to make it up to him. He goes on discussing this general idea about the need to show honor to Kohanim. However, he says, however, he says that a Kohen who's not, who's not, doesn't keep Torah mitzvahs properly, forfeits his privileges. And he says, and Kolshkein Kohanim Shabadarenu, certainly contemporary Kohanim, the Rivash was in the 14th century, certainly contemporary Kohanim, She'ein Lehem Ksav Hayachas, as in the time of Ezra, they don't have genealogical records, El Mepnei Cheskasan, like the Gemara Ksuvas, Gedola Cheskasan, we give them the first aliyah as a chazaka, but they don't have proof. And he says that that much we do. But therefore, he says that, that, that we don't punish the person as severely for insulting a contemporary Kohen because we're not, I'm not sure exactly what the connection is between a Kohen who's not over Hashem correctly and a Kohen who doesn't have a good yichus. One of them is a choice he made not to, be, not to respect Hashem properly. One of them is just a, a lack of authority of his yichus. But Al-Kalpanam, the Rivash, has this one line where he says he casts some doubt on the, on the veracity of the traditions of Kahuna. And Allah he says that's a reason why we wouldn't have to be as strict about someone who punishes him. It certainly, it certainly doesn't say you're allowed, to, you're allowed to be rude to him. You can't even be rude to a regular Yisrael. But in terms of how much, how strict the punishment is going to be, even though Mitzarechari says yes, in principle, in halacha, we would punish somebody, we would be very strict with someone who insults a Kohen, not as much today because we, because we don't have uh, such reliable traditions about who's a Kohen. And this idea that, that we don't have, that we don't have uh, such reliable traditions of Kahuna was picked up in other halachic contexts by several important 16th century achron. The most important and controversial one is a tshuva of the Marashtam. Marashtam is Rishmuel di Medina, who was one of the Gidole Hadar of the Ottoman Empire at that time, of the Sfardim. He was a Rav in Salonika, in Irvain, Israel, a great city of Torah scholarship. He was asked about a Kohen marrying a woman who a Kohen is not allowed to marry. A Kohen is not allowed to marry a Grusha, a divorcee, a Chalala, 
certain women he can't marry. One of the women he can't marry is a Shvuya. If a woman was seized and held in captivity by the Gentiles, by non-Jews, we suspect that she may have been defiled by the non-Jews. We don't know. We don't have proof. But Midrabanan, there's a concern that she was abused by a non-Jew. And therefore, that would, and if she was, that would make her psul the kahuna. So Chazal, Chazal instituted that a Shvuya cannot marry a Kohen. So the Marashdam's case was, there was a Shvuya, and there was a, certain, there, was a certain te- there was a certain form of testimony that she was left alone. The Gemara Ksuvas discusses at length what types of testimony are acceptable or not. There was, a certain te- there was a certain testimony which wasn't entirely reliable that testified that she was okay. Had it been good testimony, that would be the end of the story. But the testimony wasn't totally satisfactory. So the question was, can the Kohen marry this woman? So he says, he allowed it, and he said, I have the Rivash. The Rivash writes that the Ar Kohanim are not Vada Kohanim, even though they get the first Aliyah, that's only a Minog. Since they don't have Sefer Yachas, they're not Kohanim Vada, they're only Suffolk. Therefore, he says, since the Isra of Shvuya is Drabanan, Medaraisa, we don't know anything happened, Medaraisa, we don't have to be Choshesh. The entire Isra of Shvuya of a, of, a, of a woman who is captive is only an Isra Drabanan. So we're only going to prohibit her to a Kohen Vada. Once the Kohen is a Suffolk anyway, as per the Rivash, we can be Mekil on a Shvuya, because Suffolk Drabanan Lakula, he's only a Suffolk Kohen, the Isra is only Rabbinic, Suffolk Drabanan Lakula. Furthermore, he says, he says, we have a, uh, we, we have a Svex Veka. Maybe he's a Kohen, maybe he's not. Maybe this Shvuya is permitted to, to a Kohen, maybe she's not permitted. That's a Svex Veka. So again, building on the Marashtam, that the, building on the Marashtam, that our Kohanim and not Kohanim Vaday, he has two lines of argument, two closely related lines of argument to allow a Shvuya, at least in his case, to marry a Kohen. First of all, because of Suffolk Drabanan, Shvuya is Drabanan, and the Kohen is a Suffolk. Second, because of sex faker. The Shui is a suffake and the Kohen is a suffake, so we have a sex faker. A tremendous, tremendous leniency. We'll, we'll discuss uh, the controversy about this ruling soon. A tremendous leniency from the Marashtam, one of the Gedole Hadar at that time, to allow a Kohen to marry someone, Bismanazeh, who, who he really isn't allowed to marry, Mikra Din, because he's only a suffake Kohen and therefore we're more lenient. The Yefei Mara, Rabbi Shmuel Ashkenazi. Rabbi Shmuel Ashkenazi was a great Akron of the 16th century. He wrote a he wrote a commentary on, famous commentary on Midrash, on Midrash Rabbah, called Yifei Toar, and he, often wrote, he also wrote a commentary on the Yushalmi, called Yifei Mara. So, regarding the Marashdam's leniency, he was not happy at all. He writes that, No Kohen can be mekil on, no Kohen b'zman can be mekil on any Suffolk involving an Isra Kahuna. Once he's masked himself like a Kohen, once he conducts himself like a Kohen, L'chumra, he has to treat himself as a Kohen. He has to be knowing, kol dine chumra kehuna, dazlina basar When it comes to chumras, he says, he absolutely, not like the Marashtam, he must conduct himself according to all the chumras of Kohanim. I have to write this, he says, because I saw Mishiratza Lilma Medivir Harivash. He saw probably the Marashtam, who infers from the Rivash to be makil to a Kohen Basafik Isser, which is exactly what the Marashtam says. When you have a Suffolk Isser or Shvuya, you can be makil because of Suffolk Drabanan and because of uh, and because of Sveka. Says the Yifei Mara, Rav Ashkenazi, Valesa. He says the Rivash himself was Machmer on a Kohen. Another Chuva, the Rivash was Machmer for a Kohen who wanted to marry a Grusha. Absolutely not, he says. Again, Grusha is Daraisa, but he said uh, the Rivash is very Machmer. He says, uh, but again, even though he wouldn't let him marry Grusha, if he really held that Kohanim is Manazar is he wouldn't have forced him to divorce her. After the fact, the, the, the Femara argues he, he would have let him stay married. It would be a Suffolk Drabanan. 
it's uh, again, I'm not sure why it's, 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 I'm not sure why he calls it a Savik Rabban. It's a Savik Daraisa. Grusha is a uh, Grusha is Daraisa, so I'm not sure why he calls it a Savik Rabban. It will be, be one Savik on a Daraisa, even with the Evan. I'm not sure I follow his logic here, but he says the Rivash himself elsewhere was strict about Kohanim, and he does not agree with the Marashtam. He says Lechumra, a Kohen who conducted himself as a Kohen up till now, must adopt, must continue to adhere to all the stringencies of Kohanim. However, he does agree. Based on the rivash to a certain to a certain halachic nafkamina, he says, Yushalmi says, Hamishtamish Bakuna Ma. You're not allowed to have a Kohen serve you. It's like Meila. Meila means trespass. It's a form of infringing on hektish, infringing on things which are Kodesh. Achan, we're learning now in my Yeshua share, Achan was Moel Bechairam. He trespassed against the Chairam of Yericho. Yushalmi says, Hamishtamish Bakuna Ma'al, Kuna is the Khaila Kashem. If someone uses a Kohen, asks a Kohen to serve him, and for his personal needs, he's being Moel and Kohanim. Says Yifemara, we're not Nizar in this today. People ask Kohanim to do things. All t- people do ask Kohanim to do things. It's a common shall people have today. Can you ask a Kohen to pass you, uh, to, to do a favor for you, to, to do, an, do an errand for you? In his time already, 500 years ago, people were not Nizar. We can be Malamed Schus on this lenient custom because we don't have Kohen Meyuchas Vadai. Many Kohanim are Mizuyafim, as per the Rivash, regarding Mishabiza Kohen. So the Yifemara accepts the Rivash as, a, as an explanation for why we, Israelim, are not makbid to, to treat Kohanim with the utmost respect, the, the special treatment that they're supposed to have Mikra Din. However, L'Chumra, for the Kohanim themselves, he's, 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 he's absolutely not willing to grant any leniencies for the Kohanim. He rejects the Marashtam. That's the position of the Yifemara. He accepts the Rivash, just like the Rivash said, we're not as strict with someone who insults a Kohen. He's willing to say we don't have to abide by this rule of the Yushalmi Amashtamash B'Kohen Mal, but when it comes to Chumras of Kohanim, that he's not willing to accept the Marashtam, that he feels there's, there's no basis for leniency, we have to be very strict he presumably means even for a Shvuyah Drabanan, if, he, if, he, if he's referring to the Marashtam, that's the Yifei Mara. A third Akron, a third early Akron, who also uses the Rivash as a uh, basis for Kula, is the Magan Avram, an Arachayim. Magan Avram has a, a Shachlavataria very similar to that of the Femara. He doesn't discuss the Surikuna here, but he says, the Gemara says, one of the privileges of a Kohen, Lital Manayafarisha, a Kohen Kodim. Kohen goes first. At, at Asuda, he gets the first choice of the dish. He's supposed to have precedence over, over get, get the, he's supposed to be the first one, first choice, first one served. Although the best one, he gets the best portion. Says the Magen Avram, echoing the Yifemara, Tarachin, Lamein is Haran, Akshav Lachim Kohen Lachal. People are not always Makbid. When it comes to Birch Samazon, even Birch Samazon, sometimes people actually honor the Kohen. More often than not, they just say Birchus HaKohanim without actually bothering to uh, offer the Kohen Birch Samazon. We don't do it. The one time we really respect, we really give Kohanim the, the precedence is when it comes to Kriya Satara. And that, the Gemara says, in addition to, a, to, a, to, a, to just a question of covered, it's also that they shouldn't quarrel, the Lacey Lintuye. But in general, many of the other aspects of covered Kuhuna, we don't do Bismanazet, the early Akronim tell us. Yifei Mara says, we're not Machbed on Amish Damshin B'Kohen. And the Magen Avram says, we're not Machbed that the Kohen should get uh, first choice. Why not? Says the Magen Avram, Tzarachian. He says, Yilchari, you should be Machbed to the Mitzvah Daraisa. Bikinashto, I think. Maybe the reason is because we're not bucky. We, we, we don't have so much confidence that we really know who's a coin. Same idea as the Marashtam and the Ifeimara, all based on the Rivash. And therefore, we don't, have enough, uh, we don't have enough confidence, and therefore, we don't grant the coin these privileges. 
One of the most uh, interesting applications of this, of this idea that we don't have reliable, uh, reliable traditions of who's a coin it appears in a tshuva of Rav Yaakov Emdin, as well as an apocryphal story about the Goan of Vilna, regarding Pidyon Ben. Rav Yaakov Emdin writes in a tshuva, he says that, he says that, Kohanim, he says, often return the money of Pidyon Ben to the father. I don't think they generally do Bismar I think Bismar uh, the Kohen keeps it, but in his time it was very common for the Kohen to return it, Harbe Kohanim. Rav Yaakov Emden agrees that's a good idea, but Tovi Usher to do that. Even though Postkim say a coin generally shouldn't do that, he says that's referring to a coin miyuchas. But Kohane Chazaka, our Kohanim, whose who the reliability of whose genealogy is not is shaky, is not so reliable. Even though Lachumra, he says, we treat them as Kohanim for everything, he says. But uh, and we, we, we do Pidyon Bacharim, we do Pidyon Abdan with that, we make a bracha even. But he says, Lahakel not, not to be lenient. To take the father's money, uh, who says he's entitled to them? Might be Gezel, he says. Right, a bunch of So the, you, so you might think that it's true that in general, when it comes to Pidyon, we often say you're not mochiyev to pay if it's a suffix, but if he does pay, once he does pay, then the father can't get it back. So maybe there's an argument to be made that the father can can cannot pay the money if it's really a suffix. But right, it's a good question. If the father only gives it to, to be yotzi the mitzvah, should he have the right to demand it back or not? Rakhvamdin is not entirely clear how far he's willing to go with this. He says, he says that the Kohen has no right to take it, but with his weak chazaka, uchemachani omer. I virtually say, I'm, I'm on the verge of saying, he says, the Medina He almost says that Medina they have to give it back. And certainly, even if you don't go so far, he says, every Kohen should be choshesh for Gezel, Shemein a Kohen. Again, it's not so clear why he's so worried about Gezel. The halacha is that if somebody is muksak in money and someone else has a claim, even if it's a suffix, you're allowed to keep the money. And, and generally, the post can say, even if the said din, even if you want to do the right thing, you don't have an obligation to pay the other guy. Maybe he's stealing if he doesn't give it back to you. I mean, uh, you know, what, Mike, who, who said that, that your gazel is, is worse than his gazel? Generally, the halacha is, anytime somebody is muksuk, we don't tell him if you want to be from, you should pay anyway. Generally, the halacha is, Masvel Varaya allows you to keep the money and sleep, uh, and sleep soundly with a good conscience. Okay. Yaakov Emden here, for some reason, is, uh, I don't think he means it's even less than the suffix, but for some reason he thinks that because the Kohanim are not so reliable, they, they, they shouldn't keep the money, maybe even Mikra. Then they have to give it back. Certainly the right thing to do is to give back the money. He says, furthermore, he says, he says, someone, a father who does Pitina Ben, should do Pitina Ben multiple times, multiple Kohanim, because maybe he'll get lucky and get a Kohen who is Miyuchas. He, he can't have confidence in any given Kohen. He says he should, uh, and similarly, a Ben Kohanes or Levia, the son of a Kohanes or Levia, that's me. I never had a Pitina Ben because my mother is a Bas Levi. According to Yaakov Emden, Geish Lefdoso, I should have been Nifter, I should do it myself. It's, it's like any other Suffolk Darais, he says. The one person he says shouldn't do it misafek is the son of a Kohen. A Kohen himself shouldn't do a Pitina Ben on his son because that might lead him to be Mekel in his own Kahuna. And, uh, and, and, and then he might be making me sue him, and that he shouldn't do. I'm not sure why giving back the money for Pidina Ben, uh, because maybe he's not a coin, also might cause him to be making in his own Kahuna, but actually being put to his own son would create doubts in his mind that he's really a coin, that he shouldn't do. But in general, who would he give the money to? Another coin. I mean, you mean, why is it any better than him? Suffolk. I mean, it's a Suffolk. Maybe he's a coin, and maybe you're not. It's, it's like a sex maker, maybe. Maybe he is a coin, maybe you're not a coin. Yeah. Okay. I'll call upon Rabbi Yaakov Emden says that, uh, that, uh, that a, pa- a father should be poed to his son multiple times. A, uh, a, 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 a father whose wife was, uh, was a lady should be poed to his son multiple times. 
a son whose mother is a Baskarian or Levi should be poda should should be um, should be should be uh, he, he doesn't say Beferish that a Levi should I mean, I'm assuming he means a Levi should he says a, a Kohenis or Levia they should be poda her son a Ben Cohen should not I'm not sure about a Ben Levi I'm assuming a Ben Levi should. All these people should, he says, because uh, because the suffix, suffix are icy. You should be choshesh to, to try to get pinning up and done, as to, 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 to assure yourself with a, to make yourself as confident as possible, or to increase the, the likelihood that you that you did pinning up and. This is obviously not the minhag. However, there is an apocryphal story that the Vilna Gaon did this. There are actually at least three different versions of the story, but there there, there, there are three different versions of the story that the Vilna Gon, as an adult, was poed to himself. In, in, one account, in one account of the story, in, a, in, a, in Alios, El Sefer, Alios, we, there's no first-hand account from the Gon himself. There are various second-hand works that recount such traditions. In the Sefer, Alios, Elio, he says that, 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 he, that, that the Gon was poed to himself, and the, and, and, and the reason given in one Sefer, either perhaps in the Maiserav, or with one of the, one of the Sfarim says the reason was because he had, he had a disagreement with his father about the proper way to be poda. I think it was about the value of the pidya and how much it should be, but he had some halachic disagreement with his father about the proper way to be poda, so he wanted to do it in accordance with his shita, so he's poda himself again, one time, presumably as an adult, nothing to do with Yichusei Kahuna, he just had a different shita about the proper way to do pidya nabet. However, Anisha Mati, the author of the Aliyah Selio, says, I heard a different reason. I heard that the gun was concerned with Yichusei Kuhuna Bismar like Rabbi Yaakov Emden, that he didn't have confidence that whoever his father used was actually a Kohen. According to this version, he was poed himself many times, for many Kohanim. He kept being poed himself over and over. Uber Prat, he says, he heard a version of the story that he was poed himself from a certain distinguished Kohen, Rabbi Meir Kohen Rappaport. Um, he, he, gives his, he gives the Yichus of this person a little bit of, because, the, the, because the, the Kuhuna of this Rappaport was Mokzakin from Yichusei Kuhuna. And he, he, he was related. He says his his grand his ancestors also came from this family. They had they had a ksav a ksav yichus of the kuna of Rappaport on a cloth, osios mushavos with golden letters. Ad Ezra Cohen. It went all the way back to Ezra Cohen. Unfortunately, it was lost in a fire. Venistra Fisrefa's base. So, okay, this is B'shem Radal. I'm not exactly sure we're speaking here, but the, but there were traditions that the gun was poed to himself as an adult. According to one version, it was because he had some. He had some pickpook with the way his father was poed to him, but according to another tradition, it's because he didn't fully rely. He, he wasn't. He, he didn't agree with the way. With, he, didn't, he had an issue with the Chusei Kahuna, and then until he found, according to one story, until he found a certain Rappaport family, a certain Rappaport Cohen, he wasn't convinced of the reliability of the of the Yichus of the other Kohanim he had met. Ramosha Sternbach, contemporary authority, he brings the, these versions of the story, and he brings in a third version of the story. He says there's a Masorah Cheres that he was medactic to be poed himself in Hamburg he was via a Kohen who was a grandson of Rav Naftali Cohen, Balsmichus Chachamim, another distinguished Kohen from the early Achronim who had a Ksavichus until Eli Cohen, Eli the, 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 the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol in the time of Shmuel Hanavi. Okay. So Ramosha Sternberg then goes on and says, even if you have a Ksavichus, that we know your actual genealogy, he says he still thinks that you shouldn't have so much confidence in it. Because what about the mothers? Even if the Ksav tells you who your parents are, if any of your maternal ancestors turned out to be Pasalakuna, she had been captured or molested or something like that, 
then, then, then the children are halalim. So it doesn't even help if you can, people talk about the Kohen gene. You can establish a paternal lineage or something like that. It doesn't necessarily matter because even if, even if we were to accept that factually a person is a, is a ben Acher ben, descendant of Aaron, if anything went wrong with one of his mothers, even a kuna is passed down through the father, but if any, if at any point a Kohen marries, a, the, if at any point a Kohen has a child with a woman who's psula the kuna, the children are tainted as well. So Zavichus can't even prove that really, he says. Okay. I'll call upon him, so Pidin Aben, another area where some Akronim, Yaakov Emdin, and the Goan, according to some accounts, felt that the, that the concerns about the reliability of Ar Kohanim are great enough without uh, authentic Savyachas that a person should be put himself multiple times. According to some versions of the story, the Goan eventually did find Kohanim, who he felt had a very good Savyachas. Other postcom, I think, say, Bismanazan, none of our Kisvayachas are really authenticated and reliable. I don't have an exact source for that, but my impression is that some, some, some posts can say there's no such thing. Just because someone has a document, we don't really know that it's been verified and authenticated. And no Kohanim today are considered, uh, are considered Kohane Vada. We mentioned earlier the Marashtam. The Marashtam had a kula for a Kohen who wanted to marry a Shvuya in a, in a particular case, and he allowed it on the grounds of, since our Kohanim, according to the Rivash, are not definitely Kohanim, he was Mekel for Shvuya because of Suffolk Rabbanan and Svek Sveka. A little bit later, a generation or two later, there was a tremendous controversy about a case that arose in Venice. There was a man named Rabbi Yaakov Cohen Shalom, who was a Cohen. He had been conducting himself along with his, uh, his father and his brothers as a Cohen. He used to do Nesies Kapayim. He used to be called up as a Cohen. Then he decided he, he signed his letters as Cohen. Today we use the name Cohen to mean a family name. Not, not all Cohens are Cohens. But uh, back then, apparently, if you signed Cohen, it generally meant you were a Cohen. And this Rabbi Yaakov Cohen decided he wanted to marry a certain woman, an elderly, rich divorcee, Grusha Zakena Ashira. They told him, you can't do that, you're a Cohen. He said, okay, I'm not a Cohen. That's uh, not true. I wasn't a Cohen. Why did he, uh, why, what, was his, what was his explanation? Why did he say he was a Cohen all those years if he really wasn't? So he said, he just wanted the, the covered, he wanted, uh, he. He, 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 he wanted the, the honor and the glory of being a Kohen. He denied he was ever really a Kohen. On the other hand, it looks pretty suspicious. It really looks like he's, uh, he's repudiating his kuna now. He's renouncing his kuna now because he wants to marry this rich woman. So this was a uh, very controversial case in, 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 in Svardik, uh, Svardik, Turkey, around 400 years ago. There are three tshuvas in the, there are a couple of tshuvas in the Maharit about it. There's a tshuva in the Sefer Chodashani about it. The, this story happened in Venice. The, 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 so, 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 Venice itself was, uh, was was not Turkey, I think, at that time. But the, but 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 this, this was a tshuva in the, the Sephardic communities of that time, and there was a uh, there was a tremendous pushback from the Gedolim. Wrote letters. They wrote, absolutely not. Once you conduct yourself as a Kohen, you have to be knowing the, the Chumras of Kohanim. They were furious with him. They have to make an example out of him. He says, otherwise, everyone will try this. Everyone who wants to marry a woman who's beautiful and rich will just renounce his kahuna. He'll abdicate. Why am I worse than Yaakov Cohen Shalom, who was able to get away with that? He says, uh, we, have to, we have to put a stop to this. We have to teach him a lesson, he says. We have to force him to divorce her. He was writing Mekadeshur. Put him in Cherem, he says. And in the course of their analysis of these postkim, they, they acknowledge Marashtam. They acknowledge that the Marashtam was lenient with regard to a Kohen marrying a woman who, if we were sure he's a Kohen, we wouldn't be allowed to marry. But uh, since the Kohanim today are not really definite Kohanim, we're more lenient. But they said, no, that, that, that has nothing to do with this. They said, he was Mekil by Yeshvuya, which is Drabanan, and there were Sveikas over there, Svek Sveika. 
Our case is a grusha deraisa. There's no svekus involved. He's a kohen. She's a grusha. What's there to talk about? That's deraisa. There's no svek sveka. The end of the story. They said even the marshnam would never say such a thing in our case. That's what the that that's what the various poskim who we have their chuvas all said. In the chuvas Chod Hashani, at, at the end of the chuva, he says, "I I saw that one of the poskim brought the marshnam." He says. He says, Varim Tamu, even the Marashdam is Tamu, he says, to say the Arakam, I don't treat it any differently, kind of like the, uh, kind of like the, like the Femara said, Arakam, the Chumrah, treated like bona fide Kohanim, there's no leniency because they're, they don't have Kisveyachas, and in general, the postcom in this case were quite strict. However, that's because she was actually a Grusha. What do we do in general if there are other mitigating circumstances? What, if we, what do we do if the, if the woman the Kohen wants to marry is only a Suratim and Drabanan? And, and what if there are stakers involved as well? So the Shvus Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov Reicher, from the Gedolei Postkim in Ashkenaz, also several hundred years ago, the Shvus Yaakov was lenient. The Shvus Yaakov talked about a case, again, a Kohen had a Chazaka for many years, for a long time, to be called to the Torah Risha and to be Tzaduchin. And now he married a woman, and it turned out the woman had had Chalitza. Somehow that hadn't turned up when he married her, but now, now, that, now, now they, they learned of this fact that she had previously had Chalitza from an earlier, from an earlier Yavim. She had been a widow, and had received chalitza. A chalutza can't marry a coin. It's only drabanan. We, we pass in chalutza's drabanan, not the raisa, but she's a suratim. So the question was can we, can we force him to divorce her? What should we do now? He's already married to her. What do we do? Says the Marashtam, Lachara, it's, it's, it's an open and shut case that he has to divorce her if she's a chalutza. A coin can't stay married to a chalutza. However, he says, he brings these chuvas uh, that, that were also machmer on the of Yaakov Cohen Shalom of Venice, who wanted to marry the Grusha. But in all those chuvas, he says, they bring the, they bring the chuvas of the Marashtam, who was Mekil for a Shvuya. And the post said that, okay, but that, that, was, by, that, that was by a Shvuya, by a Snexveka, Savitrabanan, not by a Grusha. Okay, says the Shvuz Yaakov, I'll accept that, that, we're not, that we're not, we can't be Mekil on a Grusha. Our case is a Chalutza. Chalutza is only Drabanan. Chalutza Drabanan. Ain Lahachber Lias Kofin. We're not going to force him to divorce her because our Kohanim are not Vada Kohanim. He doesn't say he would allow it lechatchila, but he says he repeatedly says to force him to divorce her. We're not going to do that. Avar Venasa ain't sarach lahotzi. Doesn't we're not kof him to divorce her. Maybe we don't even have to force him to divorce her. So he says the post the, the, the early post as machmer as they were for grusha, seem to concede that they'd be mekel for a shvuya, and the same thing should apply to chalutzi. He says, and and that's the tshuva of the shvus Yaakov that we don't force him to divorce her. Fine. Other Akronim were much stricter. Other Akronim did not like this. Uh, other Akronim did not like the. Did not like this kula. Did not, did not want to be mekel at all for Kohanes Manenu. The Knesset Cheskel has a tshuva about a woman who it was a suffix. It wasn't clear if she was psula. He says Asir. Even though he says that there are that there are some tshuvos and some rabbanim who are mekel because our Kohanim are considered Kohanes suffix. Chasli Lomarkein. Postkim have rejected this view, he says, to, to these chuvas, nishtaka, darav lo nomar, you, you don't want to be motilad and all the ichus of kahuna. If we say that, all of our bachorim don't have the status of uh, peduyim, he says, kid in Torah. Al yehi chelki imayim, I want no, I want nothing to do with this, he says. Chas b'shalom, I don't even want to be, be, go along with this, he says. And uh, furthermore, he says, even if in the time of Ezra, there, there, there were doubts that had crept in, but Ezra clarified everything. Ezra investigated them, and, and the, and the kuna that we preserved from then on, he says, the, the, from then on, the, from then on, the yichus is more reliable. Uh, one of the other Akronim says of Svara that, that Bismanazeh is better because Bismanazeh, 
Bismarck, nobody has it. Nobody has Kisvayichus, he says. That the. Bismarck, nobody has. Nobody has Kisvayichus. He says that. That the. That. Chas Shalom, he said that all the posts can say that we're not Mekel at all in, in any types of Kulos. I forget who says this far, but I think somebody says this far that. That. Um, that, uh, that, that, that today, today, today they're considered even Kwan Evade to a certain extent. I'll call upon him. Many Akronim completely reject this idea that there are any Kulos Bismana Zeh. He says the, the Chikrile, for example. Even for Isra Drabanan, we're Kofin Lahotzi. And uh, the, the Shwasiakov himself acknowledged that the Shulchan Aruch talks about being Kofin Lahotzi on an Isra Drabanan. The, the, the Shwasiakov said that the, the, there is a Rivash in the Shulchan Aruch who say that, that we're Kofin to divorce even for a Drabanan, apparently. Good, the Shwasiakov says that's talking about uh, Kohane Vada. In their time, maybe there still were some Kohane Vade, but Kohane Chazaka, Kohane Suffolk, like Bisman and it's Drabanan. We will not, he held, they will not force him to, uh, to divorce. Other Akronim disagreed. The Zichron Yosef also came out that the, the, Yaakov, the, 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 the Zichron Yosef said that even the Marashtam was Mekel for Shvuya, but not for Chalutz, even though they're both Drabanan. Shvuya is an additional level of Drabanan. It's only, it's only, it's only a Suffolk in the first place. Chalutz is Vadais, even according to the Marashtam. There's no Kula, and even in the Rashdam's case, there was some kind of testimony, which was an additional factor for leniency. He wasn't making on a simple drabanan. The Berkiyazah says that the Shvaz Yaakov is rejected. Chikri Lev we mentioned. Shvaz, the Shvaz Yaakov says that Kohane is Manenu. Uh, maybe he can make it like the Rashdam, he says, but Rashdam is rejected. Look in the other postkim. And, uh, and uh, other postkim as well. Our other postkim as well were Machmer. Maritzchayas has a tshuva about a Kohen who wanted to go to medical school, a Kohen who wanted to study anatomy using cadavers or people who were uh, nearly dead. And he says, even though there are some kulos of uh, the Marashtam, however, he says, many achronim, uh, there are achronim who said, for a chalutza, we're not going to be mozi, like the Shavuz Yaakov. He says the... And, and, and that they, he says that the... That, 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 that even though there are some leniencies... Nevertheless, he says that the the mice other akram say we can't be mechalek, and again he, he's fairly machmer, he's fairly machmer as many akram are. The divrechayim he says the chas v'shalom to say this to be lenient. Divrechayim's case was about a grusha. It's chas v'shalom to be lenient. The, 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 we have to be machmer, and uh, we're not summoned on that at all. One final case where this question of the chusekuna came up. Was in, a, was in a, a really interesting context, and that was in the proposal by Ritzi Hirsch Kalisher to reinstate the temple service in contemporary times. Ritzi Hirsch Kalisher was a fascinating figure of the 19th century. He was a student of Ricky Weger, great Talmud in his own right, and he had uh, he devoted a big chunk of his life to a to to uh, out of love of Eretz Israel to proposals to to an attempt to. To to, uh, to to encourage Jews to move back to move to Eretz Israel, he was one of the intellectual, spiritual architects of the modern Aliyah to Eretz Israel, and he also he wrote extensively lahalacha, arguing that we're able to bring karbanos bismanazia. He argued that makriven al pishein bayis, you don't need the temple to bring karbanos. He argued that we can bring karbanos before Mashiach comes. He argued that hashkafically, that's the way the gula is going to take place, is going to unfold, with the mikdash and the karbanos occurring before Mashiach, before the final gula. But he argued, as a matter of halacha, he argued that it is practical, halacha lamaisa, to bring karbanos bismanazah. 
he corresponded with a number of the Gedolim of his time, including his great Rebbe, Rebbe Kiva Eger, as well as the Chasim Sofer. And they had a lively discussion as to whether indeed this is correct, that there is no halachic impediment to bring Karbanas as Marazeh. They raised numerous, the other, other Akharim raised numerous different objections, which were debated. Rabbi Kivegar himself was not, uh, was not happy with this proposal. He felt that it was, uh, there were insurmountable halachic obstacles, technical obstacles. He doesn't really engage in the Hashkafa. He talks about the technical halachic issues. And one of the key ones Rabbi Kivegar discusses at length is the question of Yichusei Kahuna. We don't have reliable economy, he says. So how can we bring... He says, the Rashdam already said, that even to be Mekel, we, we, we're Choshesh Arkohanim are not reliable. Certainly, certainly to be Machmer, we can't allow a Kohen to do that vote. If he's not a, you don't need a base of Mikdash, but you do need Kohanim. If a non-Kohen is Ovei, that's, that's a major Avera. So if we're not convinced our Kohanim are our Kohanim, how could we possibly, uh, how could we uh, possibly allow them to do that vote? And even, he says, all the Akronim, the Chod Hashani, even all those Akronim who were, who were, who were Docha the Marashtam, or Rucholik on the Marashtam, he said, say, no, our Kohanim are Vadai, we treat them as 100% Kohanim. That's all the Chumrah, he says, that, that not to be lenient with them, to make them be Machmer. If you say you're a Kohen, you have to treat yourself as a Kohen, that we do. To give them all the Chumras of Kohanim, we do. But, but the privileges, the leniencies of Kohanim, we, similar to what we saw in the, in the, in the Marash Yafeh, he says, he brings the Marash Yafeh, this is the same idea, he says. We're not making any Kulos, he rejects the Marash Dam. But, 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 but we suffake, we, we don't give them the privileges of Kohanim, we don't let them do the Avodah, that we do. But to give them the, the leniencies of Kohanim, he says, he, 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 right, we, we don't give them the privileges of Kohanim, he says, that, he says the, that we're going to do. But to be suffix, but, but to see Mekel on Isurim, that, we, we can't do that, he says. We, the Chumrah, we have to treat them as Kohanim. Right. It's not a Right. You kind of. You see, you see, you're saying, is the content of Isurim. You're asking, he's asking, putting, you're actually putting his life in spiritual danger as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, but, but, but besides that, it's also an Isser. Craig, Craig is focusing on the Isser. You're focusing on the Misa but, but yeah, but he's focusing on the Isser involved. Yeah. Okay. It's a good point, also. So, Rikvegir therefore was adamantly opposed to to this proposal, largely on the on these grounds, on the grounds that since we don't have confidence in our Kohanim, even though that that that, that, even, that, that since we don't have confidence in our Kohanim, he says that. Uh, that the that 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 to be makil to to allow them things that would be oser for zarim, that we don't do. We only follow their chazaka lechumra, not lakula, and therefore Rikvegir said we, we can't bring karbanos because we don't have reliable kohen. Now the chasam sofer, however, disagreed. The chasam sofer did not. He, he the chasam sofer actually felt apparently that there was no insurmountable objection to bring karbanos as manazet. He felt that there would be it was a, it was a moot point because politically it was not feasible. He says the. He says, realistically, he says, you're never going to get permission from the caliph of Jerusalem. He's a captain gadol. He's a religious fanatic. That nobody can, can enter there if he's not from their religion, from, not, not a Muslim. That's where they have a mosque, he says, and they say that when Shasiyah is there. Nobody who's not, is not Muslim is allowed to go there. So practically, he says, this is not going to happen. But Lahalacha, he says, Lahalacha, he says, Rukvegar's arguments about Yehusei Kahuna, he says, and other arguments, not a problem, he says. Yehusei Kahuna, no problem at all. He says, why can't he bring Karbanos based on Kohane Chazaka? He says that, uh, even though he said some posts can say that, even, even though there are posts can say that he, he acknowledges that there are posts can say that, that we don't allow, like Rick Vegar, that, that we don't allow the Kohen to do things to be Mekil, we don't let him eat Truma or Chala, even when there's no issue of Tuma, we, would, we wouldn't allow him to eat Truma or Chala 
Kohen Katan, who doesn't have Tumas Balkari, in certain cases would be allowed to eat Tuma, but some folks can say he shouldn't because we're not convinced. Abi Husekuna, Morgan Avram brings this issue that uh, even if Tuma is not an issue, we they can't eat Tuma today because they don't have the proper Yichus. In Ezra's time, they said that they had a Chazaka, they could eat Tuma of Kajak Vol, so they kept eating Tuma of Banazah. We don't even have a chazaka for that. To me, Suffolk, Wamachmer, some many poskim said, not to eat truma good. The chazim sofer said, but avoda is actually more lenient. Doing the avoda is more lenient than eating truma. Why would that be? He says, because there is a drasha. The Gemara says, Barech Hashem Chelo. In Vizosa Bracha, Moshe told Shevet Levi, Barech Hashem Chelo, Hashem shall bless his efforts. And the Gemara says that means if a Kohen does the avoda and you only find out he's a chalal after the avoda, we say, Baruch Hashem Chelo, that the, that the Avodah is kosher. Says the Chatham Sofer, that's the unique kula in the laws of Avodah. As long as the Kohen does the Avodah in good faith, even if it turns out, that his Avodah is not valid, even if the carbon is kosher anyway, and therefore, he says, we don't have to be worried. I don't know about the Isra involved, but Chatham uh, Sofer feels that that's a reason to allow him to be Oved L'Chatchila because of the special bracha of Baruch Hashem Chelo. I believe some object to the Chasim Sofer. That's only if he's a Kohen and he's a Chalal. If you're Choshish, he's not a Kohen at all. The Bracha was to Shevet Levi. Even if it turns out you're a Chalal, the, the Avod is Kosher. But if he's not a Kohen, he's not Shevet Levi at all, maybe. Then, uh, then who said he has the Bracha? Okay. I'll call upon him. Halachalamaisa, the Chasim Sofer felt that because of this, his, his interesting Cheshman of Baruch Hashem Chelo, that the, the question of Yichuse Kahuna, even if we're Machmer in other cases, that a Kohen should, shouldn't be Mekil on anything because of his Kahuna. Nevertheless, when it comes to Avoda, that there's a unique leniency of Baruch Hashem Chela. The Tzitz Eliezer, in, in, regarding the, the question of going on to the Harabayis Bechlal, says that we shouldn't uh, put too much stock in this Chas himself, or it wasn't really in the Maisa, because the, he, the whole thing was academic, because he, he, he took for granted that it was out of the question or whatever happened because of the religious zealousness of the Muslims, so he wasn't really writing Halacha Lamaisa. Oh, the, the Chilak I just made between someone who's a Kohen and a Chal, not a Kohen at all, Chas himself himself goes on and, and acknowledges this. He says, Alpha Gav Diesh Lidchos. Only if he's a Vadai Kohen, Suffolk Halala, his mother was a Grusha or something, then we have Baruch Hashem Chelo. But if he's not a Kohen at all, then, then maybe there's no Baruch Hashem Chelo. He says no. He says that even according to those who, the, the whole concern we have with Yichus today, we're not actually concerned with lineage. He says what we're really concerned with is, like Shonbrook says, we're concerned with in all the Shmad and Xeris and turmoil and violence, a woman may have been raped. That's the concern. But, uh, but, but to be concerned that, that, that the Kohen's not the father at all, we're always allowed to presume his father is who he says he is. We're not just Choshish people made up stories and said they were Kohanim. Therefore, the Chasim Sofer Shita is, we have confidence in the genealogy. The only, the only real doubt we have is that, is that a, a psul of Chalalas crept in, an impurity of Chalalas crept in. For that, we have Baruch Hashem Chelo, he says, and therefore, a Kohen doing the Avodah is not actually an issue. A, a modern coin. Again, not everyone agreed. Rick Vega disagreed. There was considerable discussion about this. But, uh, but here also, the Chasim Sofer actually felt, unlike Rick Vega, the Chasim Sofer felt that a Kohen Chazaka, a Kohen Bismanazeh, could do the Avodah, although, although Rick Vega, his, his great uh, colleague, Rick Vega felt that a Kohen Bismanazeh should not do the Avodah because, like the Marash Yaffa, even if, we, even if we, we say that a Kohen is only a Suffolk and therefore doesn't have the privileges of a Kohen, but the, because we say, even though, even though we're machmer, that a Kohen has to treat himself as a Vadai and, and adhere to all the surum of Kuna, not like the Marashtam, nevertheless, when it comes, we suffix the other way, when it comes to being lenient based on his Kuna, that we say, Lamaisi is only a suffix, and therefore, Rikveger's position is that he should not do that vote.